Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Because We Went to Therapy podcast. This is Ashley. This is Emily. And today we have a fun episode for you guys. We spent a lot of time going back and forth, asking each other some questions so you as our audience can get to know us and our journeys a little bit better. Yeah, um, but before we get into uh, that content, we wanted to take a moment to send our condolences to Chesley Christ and her family. We are very shocked and saddened by her death. If you don't know who or what I'm talking about, she was former Miss USA, and unfortunately, she recently took her life. Ashley and I were talking this week and just saying how shocking it is, because looking at her Instagram and all of her accomplishments, you would have no idea. And we don't want to assume anything, but most likely that she was going through something really difficult. You know, one of the reasons we started this podcast is so that we can have open conversations around mental health because we truly never know what someone is going through until we talk about it. And it is so, so important to have a space where you can talk about whatever you are going through or honestly anything that you need to talk to about somebody because everyone deserves to have that space. And there's so much power in talking about it and not just keeping it all inside. Uh, And Ashley actually wanted to read an excerpt from an article that Chesley was featured in earlier last year. So after a year like 2020, you would think that we'd learn that growing old is a treasure and maturity is a gift that not everyone gets to enjoy. Far too many of us allow ourselves to be measured by a standard that some sternly refuse to challenge and others simply acquiesce to because fitting in and going with the flow is easier than rowing against the current. I fought this before and it's a battle I'm currently fighting with 30. And I just thought that was, you know, while I was reading this article based on her 30th year and turning 30, a lot of it I noticed was very sad just reading it back, knowing the current context of uh, the last week. And she really talked a lot about how she had won all these awards. She had gotten multiple degrees. You know, she had uh, MBA. She was a star athlete in college. She had her JD. She was a practicing lawyer as well. She was Miss USA, like Emily said. And she just talked about how no matter how many accomplishments that she got, she still felt empty after all of them. So that was really the battle that she was fighting at the time that she wrote this article back in uh, 2021, that she was trying to find a little bit more meaning in life. And it's definitely um, very eye-opening and very somber to look back and see somebody that when portrayed on social media, it's so easy to think that somebody has an amazing life based on their looks or what content they're putting out, but you never really know what's going on behind the camera. Definitely. Very well said. And, you know, when it comes to, like we said, like I said earlier, we don't want to assume it goes a long way when you're curious about somebody and you are, um, rather than just judging, being curious to what someone's going through. Um, and not even judging it, by the way, like we weren't judging her Instagram negatively, right? We were just assuming that, oh, wow, she's got so much going on for her. But it's really important, I think, as a society that we stay curious rather rather than, you know, making our own assumptions or our own judgments just based on what we see on social media. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very well said, because you never know what's going on in somebody's mind or their personal life. So it's really important to check in on your friends and loved ones, because sometimes it's the people that seem the happiest that are fighting the hardest battles. Right. 
right? Because of our society and the way it's set up, we emphasize doing, doing, doing rather than slowing down and checking in. And so that's really important to make the time for yourself and also, you know, check in on your loved ones as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And with that being said, um, Emily and I are going to start by diving in and learning a little bit more about each other. And all right, let's move on to a new segment that we're just starting um, called Actually Curious. We're using these questions that I got from Amazon from a small black owned business a couple months ago called Actually Curious. And it's just a couple of decks of cards that the description says it was created to bring people closer together in a time where we seem so divided. Based on the science and psychology of emotional connection, Actually Curious helps build connections through questions about background, values, and important issues. So basically, I have just a general pack here, and then I have a happy hour pack with a little bit more lighthearted questions. And I've played this with friends and family, and it's always so fun to ask them like these uncommon, thought-provoking questions. And I've played it with people I've known for 10 years and got to learn more about them than I ever knew. So let's go ahead and get started. I got the cards here. We're going to start with the happy hour lighter ones. And Emily and I will both answer the questions. All right. So first one, you get to relive high school or college. Which do you choose and why? Can I choose neither? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh. I I really don't, I really wouldn't want to relive either of my high school or um, college experiences. I, not that, you know, they weren't enjoyable. I just think that I was such a different person back then, right? And I've changed so much um, in the past couple of years since graduating from college that I I don't know that I want to go back. And I'm realizing that I got serious and this is supposed to be lighthearted in a way, (laughs) but that question really, um, yeah, just provoked this idea of how far I've come and how I really don't want to go backwards. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think I could go back knowing what I know now and going back into high school and college. If I could choose, say, like if I just had to do one for one week, I would probably Mm -hmm. go back and do college. But the thought of going back and like being in school again and going out and drinking all the time and constantly having to be on and having the stress of homework and it just like triggers me just thinking about it. So if anything, I would probably go back to college with just for a brief amount of time to like have the fun and then for welcome leave. Week, but I right? agree. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Reading day Eve. <laughs> yeah. Just for that. Right. All right. Have you heard of the official or the five official love languages? What are yours and how do you know? Oh, of course. I've heard of the five love, love languages. <laughs> I you, a mental them. health professional? No. Who, who would have thought? <laughs> um, but yeah, of course I've heard of them. And it's funny. I actually joke with my fiance that I have all five because I'm very needy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would say that my main ones are words of affirmation and um physical touch and um a little side note I don't know if any um if you knew this Ashley or if our listeners know this but typically our love languages stem from unmet needs in childhood um and so Mm. that's where my 
uh, especially where my words of affirmation um, comes from. What about you? Oh, that definitely makes sense. And just a side question while I'm thinking about it, can you have a different love language for giving and receiving? Oh, absolutely. You actually, um, when it comes to the type of love you give to a person, you want to make sure that that it's it's tailored to what their needs are rather than how you give love because everyone receives it differently. And so it's mm-hmm. important to be able to adapt. Uh, like I, I definitely used to give love differently than how my fiance, who's big on quality time, needs it. That's his love language. And so I've had to adapt to, oh, yeah, like that's that's what he needs, not necessarily what I need, how I need to give love. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does. Thanks for explaining so sure. I think mine for the receiving end is probably acts of service and quality time, which can kind of go hand in hand because an act of service could be, you know, spending time with me or taking me to do something. For acts of service, I really love when my boyfriend cooks for me or cleans and he's probably <laughs> like, yeah, I do all of that. But um just especially doing tasks that I don't like to do, you know, fixing something on my car or taking my car through the car wash or running an errand for me that I don't necessarily want to do, uh, yeah. calling and making appointments for something if I don't, because I hate being on the phone, just something like that. <laughs> Those types of acts of service, especially things that I don't want to do just makes me feel really loved. And then for giving, I actually just realized this. I think my giving is presents and gifts, Mm -hmm. but it's usually uh, like really specific things. Like I actually don't like getting people gifts just, you know, for any occasion. And I really struggle to get people gifts for Christmas and birthdays. But if I know somebody's like specifically going through something or, is having a hard week. Like I really like to send flowers or like get them a specific book that I know would yeah. really help them. So getting, you know, that really specific touch is something, or, you know, even just getting something at the grocery store, like my boyfriend's favorite food or something, um, is kind of the mm-hmm. way that I show love. Like I was mm-hmm. thinking of you. Yeah. And I definitely, um, know that that's true for you because you sent me that really sweet Lake Tahoe candle after my gift, <laughs> and the personal touch was really sweet, so that makes sense. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, of course, and it's really important for us to understand our own love languages and to also understand um, how the people around us like to be loved. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting because before I really knew or understood love languages, I never thought about how I could be giving somebody a gift, and if their love language is not receiving gifts, they could be like, oh, you know, they don't see it as an affection. So I think it's really interesting and something that you could easily find out what your love languages are just by taking it like a free online quiz. Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe we could link one in the episode notes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Maybe we should take one sometime and just reaffirm that we actually know what our love languages are. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. All right. Third question. Which best describes you, introvert or extrovert? Okay, Ashley, why don't uh, you answer for me and I'll answer for you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
All right. I feel like you're an extrovert. Yes. I abso- absolutely. <laughs> I definitely, yeah. How about? <laughs> I was just going to say, I definitely gain energy and recharge by being around other people. Um, not saying I don't need my alone time, um, but I definitely enjoy being around other people. Um, mm-hmm. And for you, Ash, I'd say you're an introvert. Yeah, definitely, which is funny because <laughs> I feel like my job is very extro- extroverted, like, yeah, you know, pumping people up during cycle class, being like, let's go, let's do this thing, and having a mic on me is was so uncomfortable and definitely gives me really bad imposter syndrome because I'm like, I just want to be at home reading my book, like not talk. I could not talk to anybody for like two weeks and be totally fine. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm very very introverted, but I can turn on the extroversion occasionally. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, totally. And it's it is cool because it's obviously Ash, as you guys know, Ashley and I are really good friends, and so you know, one's not better than the other. It's just different people um, and different ways that they like to spend their time and that they gain energy and recharge. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely cool to be friends with somebody who does that in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to see how other people kind of have like their self-care, like how you said you recharge around other people. I'm the exact opposite. Like I like to be alone in a room by myself, like no sensory stuff going on at all like no tv no sound no nothing so yeah I can't even imagine being around people and getting energy for that so I love that for you (laughs) (laughs) and I love that for you (laughs) (laughs) all right let's see what's next where do you want to retire and live out your golden years Um, well I live in a retirement state so yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm ever gonna leave Arizona, um, but I would love to be a snowbird one day. Which, if you um, aren't familiar with that term, it basically is really popular in Arizona. People live here in the winter, and then other places in the summer. And I would love my summer house to be in Lake Tahoe. Oh, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's like the perfect spot. You? Um, well, I like to joke that I'm retired or semi-retired right now because I'm not working a full-time job. And anytime somebody asks me what I'm doing, I'm like, oh, I'm just semi-retired. So I don't know. That's a tough question. I would also like to have multiple places to live. I'd ha- love to have one somewhere where it's warm, like Florida, and then probably along like 30A in the Panhandle. And then Mm -hmm. I would also love to have a place, an apartment or a condo in the mountains, like around Denver area. So I don't know. I would actually love to just have a van or an RV and just drive around and go wherever I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the plan right now for retirement. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like a lot more people are doing that now too. Totally. You know, Ashley, in a later episode, you'll have to tell uh, everyone about your national park adventures. Yeah, I would love to. I was just telling somebody about that today. She was like, yeah, I'm trying to go to one national park a year. I was like, girl, I just went to like 12 last week. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) literally in a week. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no big deal. All right, next question. Tell us about a beauty 
a beauty or style trend that you are embarrassed to admit you took part in? I feel like there's so many for me. Oh my gosh, same. I think we talk about how cringy we dressed in college all the time. Okay, well, first of all, our freshman year was 2013, so Chevron (laughs) was, like, all the rage. That pattern does not look good on anybody. Yes. Like, the statement necklaces in Chevron. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It was terrible. No no offense if you still like those styles. It's just, it's not for us anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You never see anybody dressing like that anymore. (laughs) Oh, TBH, though, I'd have to say my worst, worst trend was when I went through my, um, kind of like my goth Blink-182 Green Day. What? Yes, uh. 2009 maybe I yeah I you need to put a picture of this on the Instagram on the podcast (laughs) Instagram because I don't think I've seen this it was when I would literally wear like um mesh tights under jean shoes (laughs) it's it's very embarrassing it's really embarrassing me and my me and my friend Sam we used to do it all the time and it was not cool like (laughs) looking back I'm like that wasn't Emily. You're so edgy. Well, now it is because look at Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker. They're just like in MGK and Megan. Yeah. 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 Like I bet I you just had it before everybody else. I'm a trendsetter. Literally. Megan Fox. <laughs> I think <too. laughs> right. I think mine two come to mind. One this wasn't even like a trend. I don't know why I did this. When I was in sixth grade, I got a perm. Like, why did I do that? Who let me do that? <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Like, I got like a spiral perm. So my like, I look like a poodle. Okay, you also have to post a picture of this on the Instagram. Yeah, I'll find one. I mean, my hair is so straight and. I, I have no idea why I did that. Like, what child gets a perm? That's, like, something that retirees do. I don't know. Just so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and then also in high school, so I was on the dance team, and that's when bumpets were in. So this was, like, oh 2009, 2010. You know, the Jersey Shore was on, the Snooky hairstyle was in, and <laughs> we had to wear bumpets in our hair for dance. Like, awful. Just so embarrassing. It was just literally like a huge cone of plastic in your hair on the crown of your head. Like, Were who thought okay? that was okay? <laughs> I have, like, thank God there wasn't, you know, TikTok or anything back then to you know, expose our trends. You know, teenagers these days are so cool and so trendy because of stuff like TikTok and Pinterest. We didn't have that. We had MySpace and (laughs) yeah. And remember Ask FM where you, people would like online bully you and ask you anonymous questions. (laughs) Like we only had platforms to get bullied on. We didn't have like these cool social media outlets. (laughs) No, we didn't, and that's why we did not know how to dress or act. Yeah, yeah. We'll find some pictures and expose ourselves. Yeah, I'll, I will be posting these to the Instagram for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We look a lot better now. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. And last lighthearted question here before we go into the deeper topics. What are three crucial routines that you keep? Oh, I love this question. Um, So I am very, very strict on my nighttime routine. I need it as a mental health professional. And so I, um, every night before bed, I watch an episode of a TV show um, and I have two cups of sleepy time tea. And then um, I get in bed like 30 minutes before I'm actually going to go to sleep just so I can have some um, time to decompress before the day. Um, So that was like three and one, but that's like my main, um, my main, like I have to do it. Like I'm pretty lenient. I'm like, you know, if I need to skip a day at the gym or something like that, but my nighttime routine is really important for me to be able to get a good night's sleep and also, you know, kick butt the next day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. I love the sleepy time tea. Big sleepy time tea gal over here. I know. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if I necessarily have three and they're not super specific, but the biggest one definitely is um, just going to the gym at least a couple of times a week. I mean, this is made a lot easier by my profession now and I have to teach, I teach four classes a week. So it's like, I have to go there if I feel like it or not, but I tried to go a couple other times a week just to do workouts for myself, by myself with my trainer. Mm -hmm. So that's my biggest one. And, you know, like today I just, you know, we had a tough conversation on a different part of the podcast last night and I was just feeling super drained this morning and, you know, I couldn't go to sleep. I was just so wired after that deep conversation that I woke up and I had a training session And I text my trainer and I'm like, I can't come in this morning. Like, I do not feel good. I won't get anything out of this workout. So I'm pretty good at if I need a rest day, I'll take it. And then if I have to, for some reason, double up or spend a little bit more time in the gym later in the week, that's fine too. So today, instead of going to the gym, I just went for a walk because it was nice outside. So that's another part of my routine that I try to keep besides when it's really, really cold out is I always try to go outside every day and do at least like a 15, 20 minute walk, just get some fresh air, get some steps in. Even if I did go to the gym that day, just, you know, try to leave my phone at home, bring a coffee with, you know, clear my head and have a conversation. Yeah, definitely. And we're actually going to have two separate podcasts, but based on what Ashley said, I want to just give you guys a heads up and something to look forward to is we're going to have a podcast all about, you know, how to build healthy habits. If that's something you guys struggle with, definitely keep an eye out for that podcast. And the second podcast is how to have a healthy relationship with the gym. I think we've both had our ups and downs with our relationship with exercise. I should say not the gym, but exercise or movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so definitely stay tuned for both those episodes. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I still struggle with to this day. So I'm excited to be able to share our tips too, because it's something that, you know, it ebbs and flows. Like sometimes I go to the gym for three or four months and I'm just totally on. My routine is down. I'm feeling good. And then I'll go two months and I'm like dragging myself there. 
So, right. you know, even right. if you work there or you see somebody that's super fit and works out all the time, like they're still struggling too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So you want to get into some of the deeper questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go. All right. What is something you pretend to know about and why? Hmm. That's a good question. Definitely feeling like I'm on the spot here. Um, something I pretend to know about. Mm-hmm. Does it have to be like something I currently pretend to know about or something? It could be I something have... in the past. Okay. Um, I feel like my first thought goes to I've definitely pretended to know um, things about like the stock market. If it, <laughs> I feel like. Were you into crypto, M? (laughs) Okay, no, I, okay, that is one thing I don't even pretend to know about. Anytime anyone talks about cryptocurrency, I'm like, over my head, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, whatever. I don't, I don't know a single thing, but. So is this a bad time to announce that we're releasing our first NFT? (laughs) See, I'm not gonna, I actually asked my fiance about NFTs and he was like, I don't know either. So that's, I'm not gonna pretend to know about either of those things, but. Because my dad trades stocks a lot, um, I feel like I have some knowledge of them, but I think sometimes I'll pretend to have more knowledge about the stock market because I want to. Like, I think that's where it comes from. But truly, like, I don't understand um, why it goes up, why it goes down. And I feel like we, you know, <laughs> analysts are still trying to figure that out, right? Um but yeah, I don't know why the first yeah, I mean, thing Emily, I my <laughs> the name of my degree has consumer economics in it, and I literally couldn't tell you, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that makes me feel better. But you were you were a business major, so you know, right? <laughs> yeah, I need to delete Robinhood from my phone immediately because I bought Dogecoin. So we're getting oh, real gosh. deep and vulnerable here because I'm telling you that I invested in Dogecoin. Like way back in the day, like 420, 2021 or whatever it was. Oh my God. Crash and burn. Now I'm broke. Are you rich now? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I'm still waiting, hedging my bets. So Ashley, you pretended to understand it and bought or invested. However, See, I don't even know how you properly say it, but you pretended. <laughs> you lost. You don't know much about it. Yeah. I bought after... It was like a thing on the internet, and it after Elon Musk was on SNL, and it just has not. I have not gotten my returns quite yet, but you know what? <laughs> the money's already invested, so I'm just gonna keep it there. <laughs> just gonna hope and pray for the best. Yeah. <laughs> what does Warren Buffett say? He's like. Something about it's the long game. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> All right. Do you want me to pull a card for myself? Yeah, go ahead and do that. Okay. Imagine yourself in the future. What will your greatest life accomplishment be? Um... I honestly don't have, like, a one-year plan, five-year plan, ten-year plan. I never have. I feel like my greatest life accomplishment will just be if I'm happy the majority of the time. 
if I live a happy and full life and kind of get to live it on my terms and for the most part anyways do what I want spend my time doing what I want to be doing and hopefully am able to contribute especially in the mental health space like we are which is why I'm so excited about this podcast because I feel like I've wanted to kind of get the word out about being a mental health advocate for so long and I just never knew how to do that without going back to school and becoming a therapist so I feel like (laughs) This will probably be, hopefully, one of my greatest accomplishments. I don't know, we're only on episode two, but great things to come. (laughs) Yeah, Ashley didn't want to go back to school, so she called the therapist bestie and said, let's start this, (laughs) let's start this. Yeah, (laughs) let's monetize, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Just kidding. (laughs) So, I think we're pretty famous now. Yeah, so don't forget, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts in a review. (laughs) (laughs) If you bad. Um, All right, my turn. Ask away. All right, let's see. When do you feel out of place? When I'm pretending to know about things I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) When you're talking about the stock market? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, I think... I think, you know, honestly, we are going to do a whole episode on this, but I think mm-hmm. imposter syndrome just breeds feeling out of place. Um, oh, yeah. When, My whole life is imposter syndrome. Yeah, like, when you try something new, I really feel like I feel out of place. Like, when I started my um, Going to Orange Theory, or when I started grad school, or even when I started at U of I, I felt so out of place. Because even though I got into these schools or I signed up for this gym and I'm paying and I'm no different than anyone else, I just feel like there's this sense of, like, fear that am I, am I going to look stupid? Am I going to fail? And so I don't know if this is exactly what the question was asking for, but that's the first thing I thought of is imposter syndrome when you feel so out of place in the space that you are in. Mm-hmm. That's so valid. And I think... I was actually talking to a client at the gym about that this morning after I was teaching my cycle class because I've only been teaching for like three or four months now and he was he comes to all my classes and he was telling me that he thinks I'm a great instructor and I was like it's funny that you say that because I have such bad imposter syndrome I don't even think about you know going to the gym and people are going to look at me like, oh, she works here, or, you know, I think, oh, I look too out of shape to be a fitness instructor, or be up here on this bike, or I'm breathing too hard while I'm teaching, so obviously I'm, you know, not conditioned enough, not good enough to be teaching this class, which is just silly, and he goes, you know, literally all you have to do is just fake it till you make it, because you get up there, and you teach the routine and nobody knows what you're supposed to be doing but you. So if you mess up, nobody's going to know unless you say something, which is so true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, it's so true. Especially at the gym, I think you made a really good point. Like, I still get really nervous if I ever go to the gym by myself or if I go to a different location than the one that I usually go to and that I work at. Like, if I'm lifting or doing something that, you know, 
pretty much anything other than cycle something that I don't do every day. And I'm like, oh my god, all these people are going to look at me and be like, she's a weenie. She doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't know how to, like, rack her weights or whatever. Which is just not true because I do know how to do all that. But, yeah, it. I mean, it happens to all of us. So, I feel that. Yeah, it definitely has. And it's definitely, I think, in the therapy world as therapists, new therapists experience imposter syndrome so much. And so, like I said, we're going to do a whole episode on imposter syndrome because I think we could spend an hour talking about it. Um, But if it's something you experience, you are definitely not alone. No matter what space it is that you feel an imposter into, you're not alone. Mm, Like Emily, do you feel like a podcaster? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I, I, like, I feel like a fraud. We're fraudulent. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, why? Fraudulent vibes. Something I keep saying to Ashley is everyone's got to start somewhere. And I feel like that can mm-hmm. really go a long way when it comes to imposter syndrome because it's like, sure, you might not be the, you know, uh, be able to lift the most weights at the gym, right? Or you might not be able to, you know, use, if you're starting a new corporate job, you might not understand the software right away. Or like me and Ashley, we might not be the greatest podcasters right now, but everyone (laughs) has to start somewhere. And so I think that's something we can keep in mind when it comes to imposter syndrome is that just because you're new doesn't mean you don't belong there, that you're not going to do a good job. Mm -hmm. And think about it. You never look at somebody else like for example you don't look at somebody else in the gym and think they don't belong here or they don't know what they're doing like nobody's paying attention to you like that so I just try to reframe it in that sense and just remind myself that you know nobody's paying attention to me and I'm not paying attention to anybody else so (laughs) it's fine Ashley do you know what that's called imposter syndrome no, um, when you're not thinking about anyone else because you're too busy thinking about yourself. Oh, no, what is it, narcissism? <laughs> no, it's called, <laughs> it's called the spotlight phenomenon, the spotlight effect, and it basically says... Oh, okay. One, one of the, um, I use this a lot with my clients who experience anxiety, is that when people with social anxiety, I mean, um, I use this example with the gym. When you're at the gym, and you sometimes get self-conscious about how sweaty you are, right? Like, if you ever, like, sweat through your, your shirt or sweat through your pants or anything like that, you're so worried, oh, my God, what are people thinking about me? But more than likely, if someone's at the gym, they're also sweating, and they're probably worried about their own sweat and not how much you're sweating. Mm-hmm. And so this, this spotlight effect basically says that to, people are too concerned with what's going on in their own head to be thinking about you and your, you know, quote unquote, sweat at the gym. So that's, you mm-hmm. know, another tip to keep in mind that when it comes to imposter syndrome is that, yeah, to Ashley's point, everyone's thinking about their own stuff. They're not thinking about, oh, this person looks like such an idiot or this person doesn't belong here, whatever the case may be that you are probably thinking isn't true. Mm-hmm. And something funny that happened to me, this is a couple years ago when I had like just started working out, it was probably three or four years ago at this point, and I was in the gym in my apartment building, just like a little small gym, and I was just doing a routine that I found on an app, and maybe had been working out for like four or six weeks at this point, and 
this other girl about my age came up to me in the gym and was like, hey, can you show me how to do this? Like, you look like you really know what you're doing. And I was like, uh, ma'am, <laughs> uh, this is a Wendy's. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just following an app. But, like, I was so flattered. So, you know, fake it till you make it. The spotlight effect is real. Ashley was... Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> And that girl, yeah, was like, oh, that looks cool. And so all those thoughts got proven to be untrue in your head, Ash. <laughs> yeah, she thought I was getting it. Little did she know. Right. <laughs> all right, let me pull another card. What's the most important thing that was omitted from your education growing up? So I think this would kind of be twofold. I think one from a practical like economic standpoint definitely learning real life skills that they did not teach us in middle school and high school for example like paying your taxes getting a loan what all that means what a credit score is how to open a line of credit what insurance is how you use it how to get it uh, just regular life skills that they seem to have completely skipped over at my high school at my which kid. would have been <laughs> yeah which would have been um great and practical to know but also the other thing was definitely just mental health and psychology i think it would be so beneficial for kids to learn growing up you know how to cope with test anxiety how to cope with things going on at home, how to balance your emotions, how to deal with a heavy workload, how to communicate with peers and friends and people you don't get along with. I think that that's something that a lot of times was left up just to either A, your family at home, or B, you know, individual teachers or maybe sports teams and clubs that you were in kind of picking up things here and there but we never had like a comprehensive education about psychology or mental well-being at all and now I think especially with our generation you see so many kids growing up being like you know I struggled so badly in school school just wasn't for me because I had such bad anxiety or depression or whatever it is and it's like you know maybe we could insert that into the curriculum and help just kind of ease people's lives and teach them emotional well-being yeah yeah I was hoping you were gonna say that because I definitely agree that mental health needs to be taught in schools you know I hope that our generation and generations after us teach their kids at home right if they choose to have kids teach their kids at home from a fairly early age how to cope with their emotions and I don't think it can hurt in school to add that in and um, you know I have some people who tell me that their kids, like some clients tell me that their kids are learning about emotions in school now at like, you know, three, four or five years old. And I think, you know, every time I hear that, it warms my heart because the, you know, the earlier we learn about these things, the better we understand them and the better we can cope with everything that life has to throw at us. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And even just like a stress education on how to deal with tests and homework and 
things like that. I mean, I never took my first psychology class. My high school didn't even offer psychology, but I took my first psychology class at like 19 or 20 years old as a sophomore in college. So even just having a basic class like that, I think would have been so beneficial. And you know, there's so much pressure put on us and even middle school and high school with like standardized tests, the ACT, SAT, whatever they're taking these days. And, um, you know, so much competition, I would say even maybe a little bit more so than college, depending on the environment you're in. And we just don't teach kids how to deal with their emotions or stress at all. And imagine how much easier life could be once you get on your own after graduation into adulthood if you already have these basics and you don't have to teach yourself as a 25-year-old. Right, right. Right, and it's, luckily it's never too late to learn about our emotions. But yeah, I definitely agree. The earlier we do it, the better for our overall well-being, the better our relationships can be, the better we can function in a capitalistic society. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, definitely agree. Let's get one last one for me. All right, this will be an easy one for me. Do you identify with people who live with mental health conditions? Why? Uh, yes. Because me? (laughs) Because I do? So, yes, absolutely. I think so many people are dealing with mental health conditions, whether it's something as, uh, you know, common, I guess you could say, as anxiety, depression, or also OCD, bipolar, BPD. There's a whole spectrum of neurodivergence that you could fall into and I think a lot of people especially today especially after quarantine a lot of people are more so getting into therapy than they were before and kind of taking a step back and looking at their lives and what they can kind of improve on or work on within themselves and that's definitely something that I'll talk about within my mental health journey um, that I realize, especially during 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I definitely identify as well with people who struggle with mental illness. Um, I myself have mental, um, illness and mental health concerns. And of course I, um, spend my Monday through Friday talking to people with mental health illnesses and mental health, uh, concerns. So how do you feel about the term mental illness? I have always thought that it just, I don't know, in my mind, it just put such a negative connotation on it by saying illness. And I think in past decades, if you would hear the word mental illness, it automatically meant like, oh, you're going to the sanatorium or like the loony bin (laughs) or something. That's what people made it out to be, which is so wrong. But I guess I just don't know, like, a better way to describe it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm actually really glad you asked that question because when I said mental illness came out of my mouth, I, I was like, oh, no, wait, I don't actually believe in, <laughs> in mental illness. You know, we, we as therapists, we, um, 
we use the DSM to diagnose people, but I always tell my clients I'm not huge on diagnoses, and I'm not huge on the term mental illness because not that there's anything wrong with having an illness, right? Like there are illnesses that mm-hmm. exist in the world. But yeah, I think men- mental illness gets such a bad connotation. And I always say that, you know, I'm not treating bipolar, I'm not treating depression, I'm not treating anxiety. I'm helping people heal from their past and heal from difficult mm-hmm. experiences and shape change their minds and get more in touch with their values, right? And so I always try to talk with my clients, like we don't, sure, maybe we need the diagnosis to help validate and, you know, explain what you're going through. And of course for insurance purposes, but we don't, you know, in terms of, you don't, I don't want people to identify with that label, which is why I always say it's not, if it helps you, great. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Like if you're like, it's great to know that I have this thing that other people have, think it can be good in validating and normalizing and we don't have to be defined by our men- quote-unquote mental illness or the label given to us and I think that's really important to recognize um, and so yeah I don't I just like to say mental health concerns right because we all have mental health concerns not everyone has men- you know quote-unquote mental illness right not everyone meets the criteria for a diagnosis but I think everybody has right. mental health concerns or issues mm-hmm. yeah I really appreciate that explanation because I totally agree it I don't know it just never sat right with me so maybe we could work on normalizing changing those words do you think neurodivergent is a good descriptor I've seen that word floating around but I don't know if that pertains to sort of like the mental side of things or you know learning disabilities I don't know what do you think yeah you know I definitely think for things such as autism or ADHD or you know like you said different cognitive abilities I think sometimes it can be helpful for people to understand that their brain works different right neurodivergent Mm -hmm. neurodiversity and what we do know however is that trauma anxiety depression eating disorders bipolar they do change the brain so technically we could be they could be considered neurodivergent but again it's putting a label on something that's so complex right like the dsm is just a bunch of words at the end of the day they don't really fully grasp human the human brain and the human body um so while if those words are helpful for you to identify your struggle that's totally okay and you also know that you don't have to just because you have this diagnosis doesn't mean that you you have to identify as neurodivergent or having a mental illness Mm-hmm. Right. Nothing's black and white. It's all oh shades gosh, of no. gray. <laughs> my <laughs> clients are probably so sick of me telling them, you're thinking all or nothing, or that's black and white thinking, because I try to point that out as much as possible, because there's so much nuance and gray that exists in the world and within our brain. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's something that I have struggled with in my life is going from being a completely black and white thinker, you know, the best or the worst is going to happen, I'm going to die or I'm going to live type of thing to actually understanding what nuance is. So I feel that. Yeah. And in a later episode, I want to talk all about how to shift away from black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking 
because I think so many people can relate to that, especially if you Mm -hmm. do struggle with mental health, like depression, anxiety, eating disorders, that they basically all think, those disorders all think in black and white, and so definitely think we're going to get into shifting away from that thinking in a later episode. Mm-hmm. I'd love that. So that being said, let's move on to our next segment. All right, everyone. Well, we hope you enjoyed um, and maybe even played along with us in our you know, more lighthearted questions than some of our deeper ones. And um, we do want to let you guys know that we are going to be diving deeper into mental health topics. And this is sort of our way to segue into that. And with that said, you know, we, I know we joke that this is therapy, but it's not actually therapy. And so we want to encourage you if, you know, anything ever comes up for you or, you know, anything kind of hits home or it's hard to, you know, to hear or really resonates with you, um, to reach out to a licensed mental health professional, to reach out to somebody to talk to about, you know, whatever comes up for you. Because while we certainly hope that this is helpful, uh, this cannot be therapy. And we want to make sure that um, you all have the resources that you need. Um, And on another note, we also wanted to kind of engage you guys a little bit more in this podcast. And so um, when we released this podcast, you can go to our Instagram page because we went to therapy. And we're going to ask, I'm going to put up a question box and we're going to ask you guys, after linking the love language quiz, if you, unless you already know your love languages, but we're going to ask you guys what your love language is. And obviously you don't have to share, but we would love to hear about that. And then we can read some anonymously, anonymously of course, read some on our next episode in the beginning. Um, because we think this game is really fun and it might be a game that we play often on this podcast. And so we want you guys to be involved. So please um, feel free to respond to the question box and engage with our Instagram. Yeah, definitely. And make sure to repost us in your stories. If you find that any of these podcasts really resonate with you, you know, we'd love to see screenshots of you guys listening along with us. So we're very, very thankful that you took your time to hang out with us this week and hope you have a great rest of your week and weekend. Love you, Em. Love you, Ash. Talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Bye.